week was continued to just be gripped by uh, the details that came out with the Uvalde shooting. Uh, some of the things that, you know, they're so graphic, you couldn't even repeat them in, in a setting like this. But my heart just hurt and mourned for those families. And, and even in a moment where these families are just now over this last week beginning to uh, bury their little children and their loved ones, there's more tragedy that seems to keep coming our way. This week there was a shooting in a hospital and there was a shooting in a church. I actually know a couple of the staff members. There's a couple of guys that I've connected with on social media who are actually on staff at that church. And to see how that community has just been gripped by this and so lament brings us to this point where we say, well, how do we process the pain and tragedy, the loss and circumstances that seem to confront everything we know about the goodness of God? Everything that we know about the goodness of God in these moments where it feels like the only thing left to do is wrestle with it and question it. Last week, we defined lament, and we said this, is that a lament is, a, is spiritual permission to process the pain of life, all while searching for God's grace and understanding. I want to say that again. A lament is spiritual permission to process the pain of life, all while searching for God's grace and his understanding. Shelley Gladdy, uh, Stacy Gladdy Smith uh, had this to say. We looked at this last week. A lament honestly and specifically names a situation or circumstance that is painful, wrong, or unjust. In other words, a circumstance that does not align with God's character and does not make sense with God's kingdom. And last week we looked at these four uh, sort of kind of this framework for lament. Uh, it, it's going to be up here on the screen. It's this chart that we put up there. It's this idea of keep praying, bring your complaints, ask boldly, and choose to trust. And you will know if you are in a moment of lament in your life, you will know you are at a crossroads, a moment where you need to say, this might be an opportunity for me to lament right now, to pause, put this spiritual practice into place of lamenting. You'll know it when one or both of these questions arise in your life. Where are you, God? And why is this happening? And we did this last week, and I think it would be a sign of hope and encouragement for us uh, in this place right now. But how many of you, by show of hands, have ever found yourself in a place in life where you have wrestled with one or both of those questions? Where are you, God, and why is this happening? Everybody. And we said it last week, lament is something that we can even do together. This is something that we can share in the suffering of one another. We can carry one another's burdens. We do not have to do this alone in our life. Whatever situation, emotion, anxiety, or fear you are finding your life in at this moment, a psalm of lament can and will give you voice. So today I want us to look at a lament, a specific lament, and I want to see it work its way out in text form. Last week, we read this just to sort of set the stage for, hey, here's a, here's a lament. Today, I actually want to go back and I want to work through this psalm and really dig into it this week. And so like we do here at Grace Hill, we always stand for the reading of God's word. I want to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 13, and we're going to read these six verses. So stand with me if you can, Psalm 13. David writes this, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will the enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated this morning. So last week we looked at kind of this four-part framework. Today, this psalm of lament has a little simpler framework. This is a three-part. But all four of those pieces still sort of fit into here, but this is a little bit simpler. And it begins with this. We talked about this last week, but it begins with this. It begins with the complaint. The psalmist just launches right into it. He says this, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will you store up anxious concerns? Will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my, my enemy dominate me? You see, the psalmist feels a few things here. He actually feels five things. He feels forgotten. He says this, how long will you, Lord, will you forget me forever? He feels alone. He feels like the Lord has turned his face away from him. And so this first complaint that he's voicing here is actually in the disconnect that he feels between him and God. These first two complaints are directed at God. How long, Lord, and I feel like you've abandoned me. But then his, his next couple are ones that he directs to himself. Listen to what he says. How long will I store up anxious thoughts within me? Agony in my mind every day. He's anxious. He's wrestling with these thoughts. And he's, he's really carrying a sadness, this agony every single day, this sorrow that he has in his heart. But then the fifth thing here is he simply just feels defeated. This is, this is in regards to the others, the people that are out there, the enemies that would gloat over his suffering and his distance that he feels against God. He says, how long will my enemy triumph over me? And what I hope you see here is this, is that a lament gives us permission to be raw and real with God. You see, sometimes when we're raw and we're real with God, it's because we're, we're grappling and we're grippling, uh, grippling, goodness, we're, we're, <laughs> we're grappling and we're wrestling with reality. Sometimes when we're raw and, and real with God, the complaint that we are voicing is actually not rooted in reality. It's just what we feel. And through lament... We have permission to be raw and real with God. You know, so many times in church, so many times, like even just in our Christian life, we just sort of think like we should go through and, yes, man, God is holy. 
And he is just and he is righteous. But he is also long-suffering and he is patient. And he is kind. And he is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And time and time again, the laments give us permission to just say, and I'm sorry, if you, parents, if you've got kids in the room and you don't like this word, but it's raw and it's real. God, this sucks. Life right now sucks. And here's my reasons why. And I don't know what to do with it, God. But this is what life feels like. Lament gives us permission. And see, and like I said, sometimes these laments, sometimes these complaints are rooted in truth. And sometimes they're just rooted in a reality that we've created that's not really true, but it's what we feel. And here's the beauty of lament. The beauty of lament says, that's okay, bring it to God. The psalmist says that, he, he says he feels forgotten by God. But the truth of that is, is that God had not forgotten him. Isaiah 49, 14 and 16 says this, Zion says, the Lord has abandoned me. The Lord has forgotten me. And then the response is, can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The psalmist says, he says, I feel alone. But the truth is, is what we know from scripture is that we're not alone. We're never far from the love and the grace of God. He says that he was anxious. He's wrestling through this. Now that may be true. But he may be anxious over things that are not necessarily true. It's just maybe what he feels. The same thing. He says he's sad. Day after day, he says, I have sorrow in my heart. And again, that may be true, but he may be sad over things that the reality is not quite what it is. And the lament says, that's okay. Bring it to God. You have permission to be raw and real before the Lord. And then he says he feels defeated. He says, how long will my enemy triumph over me? And this again may be true. His enemy in this moment, he might've felt like, man, the enemy's triumphed over me. Or it might just be something that he's feeling and it's not rooted in reality. You see, this is the hard part about a spiritual lament. And this is what challenges me so often is it confronts what we're going through with what we know to be true about God. A, a spiritual lament confronts what we're, what we're going through with what we know to be true about God. We have such strong feelings, and then those feelings can create almost this sort of alternate reality about God or about our circumstance. And this is why it's so important. Let me say three things to one, be in, in close proximity to good, healthy, biblical, uh, solid relationships. It's also important to get good, wise counseling. And I mean like pay somebody, go sit in a room and, and pour out your heart and have them give you wise counsel back. And it is also important to spend time 
in God's word and have a relationship and nurture your heart through a relationship with God through God's word. Right now, I am I'm reading through the Old Testament this summer, 60 days to read through the Old Testament. It breaks out to be about 12 to 15 chapters a day, depending upon how long each chapter is. And I have been so encouraged as I've been reading through this so far. Obviously, I'm just a few days in. But as I read through these large chunks of scripture at a time, I'm encouraged because on one hand, I see that humanity has always been pretty messed up, right? It's always been pretty petty. It's always been kind of jockeying for position and an angle and trying to manipulate people. I mean, we, we, I, we see that in scripture. Humanity's pretty messed up. But on the other hand, I can see how God's promises never fail. God's grace never fails. And God's kindness never fails. Yesterday, I just finished the, 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 the large section of Genesis that's on the story of Joseph. And talk about a guy that had a lot to lament over, right? His brothers hated him over a dream. He was left for dead. They decided to make some money off of him instead and sold him into slavery. He got caught up in this sort of weird power dynamic, abusive relationship with his boss's wife, and, and, and she kind of sold him out. It was just this weird thing. He went to prison again, only to be forgotten. And then, finally, God's promise is realized. He interprets the dream. And become second in command over all of Egypt. And Mark Rogop, who wrote the amazing book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, where so much of this content is coming from, impacted my, my life so much. He says this, the longer we live, the more pain we see. God could intervene. But there are times, many times, when he chooses not to. That's the tension of complaint. The psalmist gets real with God. He doesn't hold anything back. He lays it all out. He gets raw and real with God. When the pain of what he's voicing is true to his circumstance, and when the pain of what he's voicing might not be true of his circumstance. But that is the beauty of lament. It is, it is an invitation to complain. But here's the distinctive about a lament. Who is it that the psalmist is aiming his complaints towards his heavenly father. You see, only our heavenly father can carry our complaints and help lead us towards this journey of hope. But even in those moments, and even when we do the complaint right, and we're a pretty good group, Americans are pretty good at complaining, aren't we? Even when we get that part right, the tension is not always resolved. And that leads to the second piece of this that the psalmist uncovers for us. And that is this, it's the frustration. He's frustrated that he's in this situation. He's frustrated that he continues to be here. Listen to what he says. Consider me an answer, Lord my God. You know, a lot of times we read the Bible. Don't you do this? This is not in my notes, so this is free, y'all. 
Don't we do this? We get up in the morning. Maybe we go sit on our back patio. We've got our cup of coffee. The birds are chirping. We go to Psalm 13 because it's in our YouVersion Bible app daily reading plan. Y'all laugh because you know it's true. And we sit there with our little cup of coffee and we go, consider me and answer me, Lord God. I slurp my coffee. My kids and my family, they hate it. Restore to me the brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. No! This is mad. This is kicking. This is screaming. Consider me and answer me, Lord my God. That's how we would talk, isn't it? Why do we pray any different? He's begging God, restore the brightness to my eyes. God, life has gotten so dim. I don't even have light in my eyes anymore. Otherwise, God, this is what it feels like for me. I'm going to sleep in death. You see, lament invites us to complain, but lament also invites us to be frustrated. And lament, time and time again, gives us permission to be frustrated at what might feel like the inactivity of God, but it's voiced and it's aimed at God. God, do this for me. Why are you not answering This is the permission that lament gives us. The psalmist here feels forgotten. He feels alone. He's anxious. He's sad. He's defeated. And he's tired of it. He's so tired of it, he feels like that death might be the only option. Life has gotten dim, and he simply cannot see reality. This was a great prayer, was it not? Because David recognizes that he needs the light of God only to shine a light on him and change this circumstance and illuminate his eyes and enlarge his heart. And no matter what problem, I want to say this to you, no matter what problem you go through, no matter how dim things feel, we can pray, God, restore light, restore brightness to my eyes. It's in effect, the psalmist has said, God, I need hope. God, this is not how things are supposed to be. And if that's not enough, then in verse 4, the whole situation is compounded because now it's, it's not just he's frustrated with God and he's all up in his head about things, but he's got these other people out there too. He's got them all up in my head about this situation. And now I've got people, other people who are taking joy in my suffering. He is so frustrated. I had a moment like this late last year. And it felt like one of those moments, you guys have heard me kind of talk about this on and off, so this shouldn't come as much as of a surprise, but it, it just had one of those moments where the, the, the walls just felt like they were closing in. And it was this moment of fear, of anxiety, and it felt like there was no right way to navigate the moment. And then it got worse. You ever had those moments before where it's like you're right up to the edge and I'd been lamenting, God, this sucks. 
I don't like it. And then it got worse. I got hurt by some people I thought I would never get hurt by. And I remember a day or two later, I so identify with the psalmist here in Psalm 13. I remember a day or two later getting in my car. And you might think less of me for sharing this, but I got in my car and I just screamed out loud, as loud as I could to God. And I remember saying words, some of them I cannot repeat in this setting. But I remember saying words to God in effect of this. God, do you not even care? And if you do, I sure wish I could feel it right now. I was beyond frustrated because in this moment I felt defeated. And this is the beauty that a spiritual lament offers for our lives. You see, the world can't offer this. Culture cannot offer this. Your tribe that you run in cannot offer this. Your habits, your hobbies, they cannot offer what comes next. Your next toy, your next vacation, as much fun as they may feel like they can be, whenever you, whatever it is you try to do and escape the pain you're in, cannot offer and will not offer what a spiritual lament can give you. You see, the lament never leaves us in our complaints and it never leaves us in our frustration because the goal of lament is not to resolve the situation you are lamenting about. It is to restore your hope in God. Church family, let me tell you something. There is nothing that this world has to offer that can do that. There is nothing this world can give you that will take the place of that. The goal of a lament is not to, to resolve the situation that you're in. It's to restore your hope in God. And I want you to read the next word in this text out loud with me. It's the next passage of scripture, guys, it's up on the screen. I want you to read it out loud for me. Here we go, you ready? One, two, three. But, we could do better than that. One, two, three, but. That is a change point in this text. That is the pivot in this text. God, I've complained. God, I'm so frustrated. But then the psalmist recalls what he knows to be true about God. but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Here's the best part. What is he trusting in? His career? No. His politics? No. His new fill-in-the-blank that he thinks will make things better? No. What is he trusting in? Your faithful love. Whose deliverance? Your 
deliverance. And why is he going to sing? Who had treated him generously? It is the Lord who has treated me generously. You see, a lament brings us beyond the complaint and through the frustration to the resolve. And you notice in this moment, the situation and the circumstance had not changed. This part didn't come after, oh, I'm not up in my head anymore. Oh, my enemies aren't gloating over me. The circumstance, the psalmist doesn't show us any picture here that the circumstance he's found himself in has changed. But it's his resolve of what he knows to be true about God. I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance and I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. See, in many ways, it's up to you in a season of lament where lament would really be helpful to take that step and begin. Because you see, lamenting only works if we go through the process of lamenting. You can hear all this today. You can take notes. You can type it up in your notes app in your phone. We're going to look at it over the next few weeks. But when those moments come, what will you do? Will you, will you lament or will you just try to fake it on your own? Will you lament or will you just go further in debt because you're trying to find something that can take away the pain? Will you lament or will you plunge yourself further into bad habits and unhealthy relationships? No one can lament for you. People can lament alongside you. But no one can lament for you. And when I am in a moment where I'm saying, God, why is this happening and where are you? The answer, and the psalmist gives us this beautiful picture, the answer is not looking inside myself. Boy, if there's not a difference between what the world and culture screams at us and what a biblical lament offers us, the world says, look inside yourself, just be a better person. And I think we should be better people. I think there's a place for introspection and evaluation of our lives. Take inventory, take stock of who we are and how we might want to grow. But the strength and the power to overcome and conquer a situation that would land you in a place where you say, God, why is this happening? And where are you? Does not rest in yourself. And a biblical lament says we can lean on the grace, the deliverance, the faithful love, the trustworthiness of our heavenly father. The answer is not looking inside myself, but in looking to the Lord. And you may say here today, man, that sounds great. That's easy for you to say, preacher. But maybe you'd be so honest this morning to say, I'm not sure God has ever extended his faithful love to me. I'm not sure I've ever seen his deliverance. You might say, Jason, I'm not sure that he's treated me generously. 
And I want to say to you this morning, friend, he has. The good news of the gospel, of the kingdom of Jesus, is that it gives us a picture of this faithful, delivering, generous God. Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. It says that while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, but God who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us what? Alive. He restored light into our eyes. He made us alive together with what? with our own self-will, with our own heart motivation, with our own introspection and looking inside of ourselves and just doing better and being better. No! He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He has shown you grace. He has shown you love. He has shown you his generous kindness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter. You matter.